You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, currently of Locked On, formerly of Scout, formerly of... 24-7, and Indians Baseball Insider, amongst many other Cleveland blogs before that. We're kind of in the dead zone, right? Right now, we are not sure. We know what the debates are. I went through the roster, talked about who was left, found out after all of my he and hawing about, you know, where can I find a good updated list of who's in camp? Correct answer to that, and for many other things, is fan graphs. If you want to go find that for yourself, in case anyone else is looking for that, when I went over to the roster resource page, I looked at depth chart and I looked at opening day tracker right there at the top. And when I was going through the data of like who was unaccounted for, the player I did not realize was still considered a quote unquote bench candidate and has not been sent anywhere was Ryan Levernway. Yeah, he's not making the team. That was the player I could not figure out in my cuts, but apparently he is still there with the uh with the Indians, he'll eventually get sent off. But we're still waiting to see. First base, center field, starters, pen. It Your guess is as good as mine. So while we wait, I mean, I've, I've done my projections to death. So there's no point in doing that. But, you know, I've talked about a few times on the podcast this Rule 5 crunch that's coming up. So I thought... It, why not talk about it today? Because the far reach of this is going to be felt through this season. And honestly, they are in, the Indians are in such a situation that it behooves them to trade for talent, to take three to four prospects and, you know, trade for one player, to take that quality and try to get someone who can help this team this year. And I say that because... For those out there who aren't familiar with the 40-man roster, it's the 40 players you can protect. And after a set amount of time uh, for an international or high school player, I believe five years after drafting and then four for college, uh, they become eligible. And the rule is if it's someone's not on your 40-man, it's what happened with the Indians right now in Trevor Steffian, that if a player is taken off your 40-man roster or not on your 40-man roster, another team can select them, but that player has to make your roster and it's looking like that's going to happen for Kaye Tom and uh, Luis Oviedo. Tom sticking in Oakland, Oviedo with the Pirates, I believe. And for the Indians, Steffian uh, is sticking with them. So why is this such a big deal? Well, right now the Indians roster is already 40. Now, they don't have to do anything now. This is an end-of-the-year issue, but it's something to consider, again, because of the effect over the course of the year. When you look at their current roster, if you're kind of, you know, and... and in its current state, with my projections of having to add Sean Perez, that's going to be done through Bo Taylor and Cam Hill. Like, you take Taylor off the 40-man, or you put him on the disabled list, people are saying. I guess they just have not paid close enough attention to Bo Taylor. That's just the honest-to-goodness truth. That seems the most likely way that we are going to see those players added to the Indians team. Now, going across and looking at, I'll talk about the up to 15 players in a second here that the Indians are going to have to add 11 are near slam dunks. And that's 
that's what makes it so interesting because it's like if I look at the Indians themselves, so if you're like, well, who might come off this roster this year to make some of this a little bit easier? Who's going to be your free agents to be? You go down, Roberto Perez has an option. They could always decline Austin Hedges as well. Uh, Cesar Hernandez is a team option. Eddie Rosario is your first guy who's out. Uh, Perez and Shaw, if they make the team, would also be free agents at the end of the year, depending on how they play. Might look to be brought back, or they might try to go out and make more money on their own. And that's it. Three players. So the question then becomes, as you look across this team, in general, it's like, well, you know, maybe a Harold Ramirez, if he doesn't get together this year, non-tender candidate. Oscar Mercado, Bradley Zimmer, Jake Bowers, Bobby Bradley. That's like eight names right there. Juan Carlos Mejia as a pitcher. Uh, we're already under, operating under uh, Taylor and Hill being on the injured list. Maybe you can flip someone like a Moss or they do something with a Morgan, but it's going to be hard to find any way that they can fit all of these players, which is why I wanted to bring it up because, again, this basically shows the Indians have to make a trade. They have to make a trade this year or they're going to lose very, very valuable talent. And I had people ask, well, how did that happen? How do you get in this situation? Do they do things badly? Well, the we're projecting at the end of this season that all six players the Indians got from the Padres are going to be on roster. That's that's a significant amount. And they had a really good international um, dra- uh, class. And then they had a, a draft class that's been productive. And I'll get into those first 11 names that we need to talk about right after our first commercial break here. And then I'll get into the four others. And I'll talk about, I spent about an hour today going over teams, trying to see if there's something that maybe made sense for the Indians to look to do this season. So we have this new partnership with the Locker Room app. It's hard. Locker Room, Locked On. I keep messing, wanting to mess those up. I am trying it out this Thursday, uh, 10, 15 Central, 11 p.m. Eastern Time. It's an app where, currently only on iOS, working to expand that out there. Be sure to join me this Thursday night to talk all things baseball. You know, we can, like, it's... You can type chat. I can give control to someone to like ask me a question and then I can take it back. It's a way to have like a uh, a kind of like we need to have a chat room or like a, a live chat. But now we can add in some of the ability to, to physically talk and chat in it. It's a perfect place to join or start conversations. It's not just locked on hosts. There's always things going on in this app. Uh, you can have watch parties, debates, post game breakdowns, and of course react to big news and rumors. You have a chance to chat with me and might even have a chance to be featured on Locked On Indians podcast through our conversations because then they send me the audio and I can upload it. So this is your chance to join the Locked On Indians podcast. Maybe hear yourself on this very channel. Go check out the Locker Room app today. Chat with me this Thursday, 10.15 Central, 11.15 Eastern. Built Bar. So I got yesterday's matchup wrong in the Built Bar one. People like the birthday cake. I just didn't love the white chocolate. That's me. Uh, coconut lost to birthday cake. Our matchup today over here on the good old Built Bar website, we have coconut brownie chunk versus lemon almond cheesecake. I do enjoy the lemon almond cheesecake, but at this point, coconut brownie chunk is my pick to win it all. Like, I, everyone loves that. That is a favorite amongst the chat. That is a favorite amongst many of us. That is who you want to pick to win this whole thing. If uh, 
If betonline.ag had betting lines on this, I would tell you go put your money on Coconut Brownie Chunk right now. But since there's not, I'm telling you, I would bet on Coconut Brownie Chunk. Winner of this matchup advances to the Carmel to face Carmel Brownie in the uh, Elite Eight or whatever we will call that in terms of something uh, food related. I am sure the enticing eight. I love Bill Bar. Uh, I can be a bit silly here because it's something I order. I have a box of it I'm staring at right now in my in uh, my recording space. I eat Bill Bar every day. It is a product I love. It is a product I use. Go check it out for yourself. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN15. Why wouldn't you want to save yourself 15% on this fantastic product? BuiltBar.com. Use that promo code LOCKDOWN15. Uh, and then go check out LOCKDOWN today. Get all your breaking news in one place with host Peter Bukowski. LOCKDOWN today. So let's come back around. I made the promise that I would talk about the 11 names you need to know for this team. And this is why <laughs> this is, again, fourth time of explaining, so I'm not going to explain why this is important. But just let's go through, should we rank these guys in terms of where they are, like on most prospect lists? You start with Ty Freeman. He's going to get added. We know that for sure. George Valera. Yeah, that's a for sure. Aaron Bracho. Yeah. I mean, those are all three top 10 guys. Brian Rocoio. Oh, that's four guys. I mean, Rocoio might not have made or may not have made my list, but he's top 10 everywhere else, top 100 in some places. So that's four players who are widely considered four of the Indians' top 10 prospects. And we're just getting started. Jose Tenya. Uh, I know in the past Keith Law had had him as a top 10. A lot of places he's in the low teens. He is definitely a guy who's in the teens. Uh, Nick Sandlin, former second-round pick, will probably be put on the roster at some point this year, getting a chance as a reliever. Also in that same draft class, Robert Broom, side armor. He, there are people who like him more than Sandlin now. When I talk with people, because Sandlin's stuff is backed up a bit. Uh, he was the ninth-round pick, I want to say. But two interesting relievers, both likely will get added to the roster this year. Joey Cantillo, another guy who's in the teens, came over in that Clevenger trade. Got to add him. Owen Miller, one of the last cuts from camp, also came over in the Clevenger deal. Uh, you got to add him. And that's where, you know, someone like Ernie Clement maybe gets pushed out because they just don't have enough spots with someone like Miller. And you're like, oh, well, who else could there be? How about, like, two of my favorite sleepers in this entire system? Cody Morris and Brian Levestita. If you listen to this podcast, you know that Levestita is, what, the second best catcher in system in terms of prospect value. Really interesting, really has developed well, a guy you have to keep your eye on, and when it is, it's easy to stash a catcher, right? You just need a backup, uh, and a backup, a lot of times we have seen, you know, backup catchers get stashed as young players, because you can get away with them not playing all the time. Uh, it makes it rather easy, and then Cody Morris, another guy I've talked about at length on this podcast, since the Indians have gotten him in system, he is velocity, his, he's, his velocity has picked up high 90s, big body, just easy to dream on. And if you're a team with that velocity and that size, you're like, okay, we'll put him in the pen, and then maybe we try to stretch him out as a starter after that. That's 11 players. And if you're like, well, okay, Morrison Lavastida, those are just you know a little bit further down the line sleeper types. We don't need to include them. They're not like top 20 prospects. And maybe you're thinking Sandlin and Broom aren't either. That's still seven guys who are top 20 prospects. And if you're like, well, you only need to add guys in the top 10, there's still like five to six players who 
Uh, and if these guys go out and perform this year, Morris is going to jump up lists because of his size and build. And there are a lot of people who are fans of his. Levastida, you know, is going to jump up lists. Like I said, Broom and Sandlin will probably already be on the 40-man before the season ends. It's going to be something to watch for this team. And it's kind of crazy to follow. And if you're like, well, how much worse could it be? Uh, let me see if I can pull up. I then followed up my tweet with, uh, so there's Joe, Joe Lesky Noel, a first baseman, really low down the line. Unlikely for him to get at it, but really big power potential guy that a lot of people are high on. Richie Palacios, if he had been healthy and he hadn't basically missed two years due to his own health and then COVID, would be a 40-man uh, candidate. He's a player certainly to watch, up the middle player when he was drafted. I mean, he had a he was rising up boards, had a fantastic first year in the system. Uh, bloodlines, good eye, athletic, shortstop. Hard to, to let those guys go. Matt Turner is another sleeper. Might be the most unlikely of anyone I've mentioned, but it was an 11th round pick. We know the value of the Indians place on those. And then Adam Scott. Go ahead and make your jokes. But in this case, we're talking about the left-handed pitcher who was a, a senior sign, but one they gave a significant amount of money to. Same class as Sandlin and Broom. Has been a starter. The stuff is solid, though. Like He's a left-hander. Very easy for a team that needs a lefty to stash that guy. Uh, and he could honestly be on the roster uh at some point this year as well for the indians there's some other players like uh alex free planis who i got asked about i think he's just super far away steve kwan came up because the lack of center fielders i just i don't think he's really a prospect prospect but that's 15 names and that is why the indians have to make a trade this year they have to do what the padres did it's crazy to just go through that list like that. And, I mean, you can keep going down and just looking at... It's the downside of a deep system. I mean, how many people really like Jose Fermin? I didn't didn't even mention him. And you keep going. Because he was, you know, Victor Nova, who was part of the Bauer deal. Another player eligible. Uh... I already mentioned all of our middle infielders. Let's see if there's any other names just to give shout-outs. I always like Jonathan Engelman. Uh, developmentally, he was a little bit slowed coming out of college. Really good athlete. Has not all come together yet. There's a reason why he went in the 31st round. Quentin Holmes, who was like the Indians' first pick in 2017 as a second rounder, he's eligible. No, His prospect value is lower than Will Benson, so at this point... Jonathan Rodriguez, who was a former top 20 prospect for me and a third round pick in 17 as well, that same year as Holmes. Hasn't worked out for him so far, but he is eligible. And I think just two years ago, I had him in the top 20 for the Indians. Uh, Shane McCarthy is a guy who people have liked at points and could be viewed as a, a reliever for the team. Uh, and then trying to see if there is any more guys just to shout out as I'm going down the list here. I think those are the big ones, really. Uh, Kellen Roll is kind of an interesting lefty, but I think he's a loogie kind of more in the old term sense. Like, I think he would have had a real shot at the majors as a loogie type. I don't know if, if a role exists for him in his current form, in baseball's current form. 
but I've never seen anything like this. That's just why I had to spend this time here and why it got me going, wow, this is interesting. Like the Indians at the end of a season where it's normally like, okay, four or five guys, not potentially upwards of 15, very likely 11. So what can this team do with this? What trades, what might be smart for the Indians to look at and consider? I'll get back to you in a second. Let's do another quick sponsor break. Leave you a tease so you keep on listening. So I mentioned earlier that Bet Online does not have odds on the Built Bar brackets. That might be the only thing they don't have odds on. When you go to betonline.ag, you can find anything you want. You'll find so much information. If this, if gambling is your game, Bet Online is the place to go. There, when you go there and you make your first deposit, remember to use the promo code Locked On to get a fifty percent welcome bonus. They have, right now, when I go to their website, a 5% Bitcoin boost, $100,000 Sweet 16 bracket, $200,000 March Madness tournaments, uh, $10,000 Poker Free Roll Madness. Whatever you can imagine, they have over on Bet Online. Go check it out for yourself today. And remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON to get that bonus, 50% bonus. That's not an insignificant thing. If you're someone who's going to go out and gamble, who doesn't want 50% more on their money when they're going to do such a thing? Go to Bet Online today. Use the promo code Locked On. Trades. Uh, so if you, man, a lot of Oz tonight. Like I'm always bad about the Oz, but even, even for me, I'm like this is a, a cruddy night. Before we get into trades, though, I want to give a quick bit of information. I'm gonna have uh, a guest for tomorrow, and then maybe on. Friday, I might pull. So I talked about the fact that with Eric Heisman, who was the guest on Tuesday, that originally I was going to have Justin Lada. Justin had internet issues. And by the time he got back and got everything fixed, I was already 20 minutes into the other one. I wasn't going to bump Eric. He had been nice enough to fill in. But I have this like 15 minute interesting chunk. So we might put that on Friday's show, my talk with Justin. I'm just going to talk with it and clear it with him. Uh, for the next show, I'm going to have Pat, who is, it's the Jose Ramirez fan account in parentheses and at tangible underscore uno. I've talked about him before. Uh, he writes some really interesting articles and content, a lot of things I tend to agree with. Uh, I saw he announced that, uh, that he's going to be doing some work with Baseball Prospectus, I believe, this offseason, and uh, I know he has his own podcast. We'll get a lot more about that. We're going to talk about the Indians, and I will bother him a little bit about prospects as well because i know that if he's gonna get it yeah get that chance to write for baseball perspectives that obviously that is something that he knows about and is interested in so it'll be a fun thing to talk about and i know people like it when i have a guest so we're gonna have pat on tomorrow and i was actually texting or texting like dming with him as i was doing this research for this part of the podcast here about who makes sense for the Indians to consider trades with. And as I've been staring at rosters for the past like 18 months, trying to figure out Lindor trades and Kluber trades, side note, man, Kluber is not looking good. Have you guys seen some of the performance with him? Yankees went out and gave him that money, but the fastball is, it's just, it's not there anymore. It's not moving right. The velocity's low. I, I mean, it's, everyone wants to talk about the, you know, it's like Eric on the show talked about like, the Yankees being kind of the class of the AL that you trust. I mean, that pitching, I mean, and he even said, it, he's like, besides Garrett Cole, what does that pitching staff have? And it's, 
they're betting on duct tape and glue with guys like Kluber, Severino, and Tyon. And I mean, for them, not the best sign in terms of their investment. And remember, lots of teams were willing to pay him. So it's not just the Yankees who uh, were willing to take that dive in terms of uh, Corey Kluber. But uh, getting back into it, I've been going through rosters. And the one thing that has stood out and I've talked about is there's not a lot of outfielders in baseball. Outfield is like a general need across baseball. The other interesting thing, again, if you heard me talk with Eric, one of the narratives I was pushing was this idea that in the American League, there's not a lot of teams that aren't trying to at least take their year one step. Like even teams like Seattle, Detroit, and Kansas City, they're going to be bad teams. This is supposed to be the year where they start getting better. They're not going to necessarily sell off. Or in the Indians case, like if if you're the Indians, and I know I've been pushing to trade Brian Rocoyo and like, or, you know, I sat there and pulled it up with the pronunciation uh, on the website, and now I'm still getting it wrong. But I, I've been pushing to trade him. One, he's the furthest away of anyone in that group. Two, he's the furthest away of anyone in that group, and you have so many infielders. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, he is well-liked. He is quite a bit away from contributing. You have infielders for days, but he has a lot of value. Like it, I talked about with the Orioles, that when you looked at the trade machine, it was like him for Santander was like a straight up value. So you look at a player like him and the value he brings. You look at some of those other players um, that they, you know, obviously you're not trading Freeman or Valera, and you kind of will see what Cantillo could do. But some of those other players you can maybe package or. I don't think there's necessarily anyone on the 40 man that I think is likely going to be someone that they can trade. But if, a, you know, Cody Morris is an interesting secondary piece. Aaron, uh, Aaron uh, Bracco, Braccio, he is all bat, no real defensive position. So right now his value may not be higher than it is. And he's another one who's pretty far away because of injuries. So if you could package a few of these guys, again, you are trading great talent, but you have so much of it. So then it's finding a team that you can get good value back for and a team that is more in the rebuild mode. Like part of me says, go look at Atlanta because you know, they, they're not trading you Apache, but I still think drew waters his value is overall down. And at least, you know, he can probably play center field and that they have, you know, some other interesting players, but I, they're not a team again, that makes sense. If you're, uh, packaging, uh, 40-man pieces. When you're specifically packaging, you need a team who isn't feeling a 40-man crutch. That's why when the Padres did this a year ago, the Royals went and were a benefit, and the Mariners were a team that benefited. So looking at things in the American League, it's like Baltimore, Boston, and uh, Texas were the three teams that really, I think, are, are punting this year. Texas is low on talent to begin with. Boston is kind of interesting, but again, kind of low on talent. And Baltimore, Baltimore has outfield talent. But if I, and this is a question I was asking Justin when his computer died on him, which is if you're the Indians, do you consider trading for a center fielder? If you don't think Zimmer can do it, if you don't think Mercado can do it, if you don't think Daniel Johnson can play there, who is the next center fielder in system? I know some might say George Valera, but I don't talk to anyone who really thinks he can really stick there. So you're 
real. I, and if you're saying Steve Kwan, he's not a a strong prospect. Uh, he's like a fourth outfield type. He's always been like a fourth outfield type. I mean, you're probably looking at like P.D. Halpin, who was a high schooler that they drafted last year. That's how ugly center field is. So if you're the Indians in particular, I think using this talent to maybe add someone who could play center field. So going back to Baltimore, it's like, what do you think of Cedric Mullins? You know, the, the interesting teams for this really comes down to National League squads, though. And, you know, you look at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh would love these type of deals. I mean, Pittsburgh was all in on ceiling and faraway talent. Uh, it just Polanco doesn't have it, and Brian Reynolds isn't a center fielder. So it's it's not an ideal fit. And you go around and kind of look at some other teams, like who could be the teams that aren't looking. And I kind of wanted to figure out something with Milwaukee, but, man, they just... They have very little. I mean, it's, I, I you know, they've got uh, Azabal Garcia on the bench, but unless they're like picking up all of his contract, he really wasn't good last year. And their minor leagues are rough. And I'm sitting there talking myself into like Tyrone Taylor, who's been with that organization for almost a decade as a second round pick. So it's it kind of knocks out the Brewers because I was like, oh, the Brewers might be a team that this would make some sense for. They just brought back Travis Shaw. Uh, for crying out loud, they're a team that uh, is low on talent and is uh, has some flexible 40-man futures. Couldn't find it there. San Francisco Giants. Are they a step forward? Are they a step back? You know, they went out and added Tommy LaStella. They've got Ustremski and Alex Dickerson in the corners. You know, uh, Dubon is their center fielder, and they've got some young players coming up as the next few you know, waves. It's like, would, you know, who's, is there anyone who's close that they would consider moving? I, I just couldn't find a good fit. I feel like San Francisco has built their system and they are just going to kind of slow play this, occasionally adding some big money guys. Like next year's free agency, I could see them getting a shortstop um, from that. Chicago Cubs is where it starts to get interesting because this Cubs team isn't going to be good. And we know that. It's going to be a pretty bad team. And when you're looking at where they are overall, <laughs> I mean, part of me was like, man, is there a world where the Indians could like package enough to get the Cubs to pay Chris Bryant's contract and trade Ian Happ? Because Ian Happ is one of those guys who would fit perfectly into the Indians' current window. Three years of service time, 26 years old, switch hitter, 28 home runs is his projection right now in fan graphs. And it took him a while to get it together, but uh, I mean, he's kind of the... If Chicago is going into a full-scale rebuild, and I don't see how you can look at this any other way, this is a team that's going to lose uh, probably Baez and Bryant amongst other players at the end of this year, and they let a lot of talent go this past season. They gave away you, Darvish. Could you... And, you know, last year's draft was the first time they had a new scouting director. So all of a sudden they went from being the safest drafting team to going for a bit more ceiling. Their 40-man is only at 39 men, so it's not even packed right now. And, again, this is the beginning of the rebuild. Would they move Ian Happ? That's one of those names where I look at him like, he would be ideal. He would be the ideal candidate. And, again, it's like if you could get them to pick up money 
because Bryant has very little trade value right now. And if you could just get him to be a first baseman for one year, imagine the difference for the Indians. But Ian Happ, he hasn't done it over a full season, right? That's kind of the, the complaint. But 58 games in 2019, 57 games in 2020, he's looked darn good. You have control of him until, uh, let's see, his expiration is, you'd have him for 2021, 22, and 23. You have three seasons of control. If I go over and look at the old trade value site, let's see what his overall valuation there is. So Hap is over there at a 32.7. In terms of just the players I mentioned, and we assume that Valeria Freeman just take those off. Those are for sure guys you're not trading. Those are core future pieces. But if we look at the next two highest value uh, players, likely to be Ricoyo and Bracho, those two together combined to be a 30.10. It is trading two prospects for one and then you do have to clear a spot on your 40 man so if you included you know uh someone along the lines of a zimmer the other way if they wanted to try him out or you could try and include daniel johnson if the indians are never going to give him an odd chance which it feels like they may not if you add johnson all of a sudden it's more like they're sending 35 in value to get 32 back but no matter what, uh, you know, Hap would become a free agent at the same time Jose Ramirez. Maybe you can work out an extension with him before that. But he is kind of the ideal candidate, and that's what the Indians need to do in this case. And maybe it's not trade, you know, uh, Rocoyo, who's the highest-valued guy in this group, but trading, like, three or four of the other ones in a deal. The other teams that, you know, popped up as I was looking for this run a bit low on time, so I won't go super in-depth. Arizona could be fascinating. They have a good young out, well, not young, but, you know, David Peralta is old, but uh, Kettle Marte is a bit of a down year after that huge year. Who knows what to make of him to a degree. Dalton Varsho, and they've got some young players starting to get ready to, to pop in as well for them in the upper levels of their system. They could be an interesting team to call at some point. The Reds, the Reds are always interesting because they do have so many outfielders. And, I mean, they're just beat up right now. I don't know what to make of the Reds, but the Reds stay an interesting team to consider for any such deal. And, you know, I, I think the other team to talk about, kind of the sleeper in any potential talk or trade like this, is the Toronto Blue Jays. And I might say the Blue Jays, they're not a bad team. And you're right, they're not. They're a very good team. And because they're a very good team, they have a ton of depth. Uh, I don't know, you know, Randall Gerchuk. Yes, he's a center fielder. His contract kind of gives him a negative value. That's why I don't think they've traded him right now, is there's not a ideal landing spot for him after they signed Springer. But they have some players in the upper minors that maybe they would consider um, a one for three or a three for one because they do know a lot of the guys that the Indians have. There is still some familiarity with some of these uh, players, even after all these years, because... You always look back at the organization you've been with, your relationships with people, you talk about players. Maybe not as likely as the other ones, but I mean, the the big takeaway for me here is Ian Happ. That's what you need to do is to try to find a way, because I do think the Indians, everyone is kind of just punting this year. And I don't, how do you punt when you have the potential M- league MVP and Cy Young uh, 
on your team. You, you got to give go for it. You got to give it a, a run. And they're in this situation due to what's coming up, due to the fact that they know that the 40 man is going to be an issue. They need to do something. Go out, use this depth, go add some uh, impact ability. Open this window a little more now. Get a player who can help them and not necessarily a rental. See if you can do something like that. Go find, Ian Hamp to me is maybe a perfect example because even if you end up feeling like Ahmad Rosario is going to be our center fielder eventually. And I mean, I I was out there at the forefront of that and we'll see how that works out. But Hap can play multiple positions. You can find a way to make that work. So go find a player who makes you better and start trading some of these prospects because if they don't trade them now, they don't use them this season, the Indians are going to have lots of players taken in the Rule 5 draft. And as we've discussed, the Indians have lost a lot of great talent in the Rule 5 draft and have failed to really add any so far. We're holding out hope for Trevor Steffian to be that guy. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Draft. Remember, we're having Pat as a guest on for tomorrow's show to check that out. Uh, and for the next year, maybe two at least, go Tribe.